Lameness in dairy cattle. An expensive problem, but how to solve it? No, there's no way it's going to be costing me £50,000 a year, lameness. But the position we're at at the moment, I think that's probably a conservative figure. We'll hear from the farmer and vet partnership who found a cost-saving solution and with details of a new wellbeing service from Lincolnshire Rural Support Network. People are maybe neglecting their physical health during this difficult time, so we're rolling out our click book chat and the pig sector is calling for a Covid support package. It would help. We're only asking for a small amount of help for those pigs that actually went overweight at the time. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week and coped okay with the bizarre weather with fluctuations in temperatures of some 25 degrees in the last 10 days. I just don't know what to wear. In the news this week, a new web-based service to help UK wheat growers and agronomists stay a step ahead of unpredictable yellow rust outbreaks has been launched. It's called Rust Locator 2021 and it uses an interactive map to record the locations of yellow rust infections along with the variety affected, resistance rating and drilling dates. The developers, Sygenta, say that having a regional picture of where infections are appearing will give growers more information to help head off outbreaks before they become more damaging. There's more at sygenta.co.uk and more on yellow rust with Sean Sparling in a few minutes. And veterinary practices are looking to recruit people from the agricultural community to help support them in testing cattle for TB. The APHA has approved suitably trained para-professional staff known as approved tuberculin testers to carry out TB testing in England. There's details from your local vet's practice or from UK Farm Care. Now, the pig sector has struggled in the last year or so, what with Brexit and more recently because of backlogs following COVID outbreaks in processing plants. The National Pig Association is calling for a £3.2 million COVID support package to recognise the impact of overweight pigs on producers' businesses. Lincolnshire pig producer Sam Godfrey joins us. Sam, what sort of problems have you been facing? Um, The main problem we've had is that there have been occasional outbreaks of COVID in some of the processing plants, which has meant they're not able to take as many pigs and sometimes uh, no pigs at all in, in some weeks, which has meant we've had to hold them back on farm. The problem we get then is that uh, pigs don't stop growing and, and, and don't stop being born, so it, it puts pressure on us for space, and, and if they don't stop growing, they can go a bit overweight, uh, and we get uh, quite badly penalised for selling pigs uh, that go overweight. Why are you penalised? Well, the weights uh, that we have to sell pigs at are set out in our contracts with the abattoirs, and the penalties that we pay if they go over a certain weight are set out in those in those contracts. I think the reason that the uh, the, the, the top weights are set there where they are, which I think is at 105 kilograms is because once a pig weighs over 105 kilograms, they're not able to be sold under uh, the B-Quop assurance scheme, um, which means that there aren't as many retail options for them. And a bit of COVID support from the government would help, I dare say. It would help. We're only asking for a small amount of help for those pigs that actually went overweight at the time. Other sectors have had similar support, uh, such as the dairy sector, and the other nations other than England, so Scotland and Northern Ireland, have had some help. So we're just asking for a parallel scheme in England. That's Lincolnshire pig producer Sam Godfrey. 
The Lincolnshire Rural Support Network has launched a new wellbeing service. With lockdown, we've missed seeing their nurses at cattle markets this last year. So to tell us about Click Book Chat, here's LRSN's health and wellbeing lead, Jilly Steele. Good morning, Jilly. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Just before we talk about how the service works, what's behind the service? Why are you launching it? We have two physical healthcare nurses that normally hang out at Louth Cattle Market and Spalding Horticultural Auction, where people who were attending the markets could pop in, have a chat with them about their physical health issues, get advice, have the blood pressure taken, uh, check their blood sugars, and off they went again. Unfortunately, those clinics haven't been up and running because the markets have been shut to the general public. People are maybe neglecting their physical health during this difficult time. So we're rolling out our click book chat service where people can log on and and have a chat with our nurses. And this is about physical health, is it, rather than mental health? It's predominantly physical health. However, our nurses have chatted to people about their mental health difficulties over the years as well. Um, but, But our nurses are... Our two physical health trade nurses and they're here to talk to you about any health and wellbeing needs that, that you might have. Great. Now, how does it work? It's really simple. People can pop over to our website, which is uh, lrsn.co.uk. On the home page, there is a big button that says wellbeing at LRSM. Um, that will take you to our page where you can book online a little bit like you would do your uh, online shopping delivery service. So you'd book a slot, um, your information goes over to our nurses and they will contact you on your chosen date and time, whether it be a video call or a phone call. So you could do this face-to-face, sort of, as as face-to-face as we can get these days, uh, as well as on the phone if you'd rather not do it that way. Yes, yes. So some people don't have smartphones, um, but you can also do it via your laptop as well. It's a, it's a special bit of, of kit that we've got, so you don't need to have a special phone for this. You, you can do it through a, a computer or an iPad if you would prefer. And this is going to be advice, I guess, as much as anything else. You can't be physically taking blood pressures and things like that, can you? No, unfortunately not. It would be nice if we could do all of those things through the camera, but we can't. But it will be about general advice and a chat. And if the nurses feel you need to make an appointment with your GP or um, another health professional, then they can help help you do that. Great stuff. Give us that website. Uh, we can find out more information again, Julie. Yep, it's www.lrsn.co.uk. Julie Steele, Health and Wellbeing Lead at LRSN. Thanks for joining us. No, thanks. Time for Agronomy Now with Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. They really do provide an excellent service at LRSN, don't they? Yes, very good morning to you, Steve. Yeah, fantastic organisation, LRSN. I've been involved with them for well over 20 years and I can tell you there are no egos in there. Everyone's equal. Everyone just gets on with helping and supporting anybody in the rural community who needs help wherever they are and whenever they need it. And that's LRSN. They really are a dedicated, altruistic bunch of people. And they put some of the more national, well-known charities to shame, as far as I'm concerned, both from a work ethic and also from the point of view of putting back everything that's received. And, of course, yet another brainchild of the very holy very reverend canon alan robson from his head um and you know as a county we're privileged to have people like alan robson and alison twiddy and and all of the people involved in lrsn but um as an organization they absolutely inspire and impress on a daily basis so a little bit of a nothingy week 
since the 21 degree scorcher that we had last Sunday but it's been seven or eight degrees at best by day and windy and shocking frost by night some seriously sharp frost at that you know um, almost every night I've been down below minus two for three nights this week and it was a very dry cold windy frost so you know quite deceptive out there but that dry weather is now really starting to worry a few of us um, and a drink of rain would go down an absolute treat in the field so starting with all seed rate it really has not enjoyed this frosty and windy weather many of the flowering or just yellow budded all seed rate crops will have lost flowers because of these frosts but remember all seed rate producers are around 60% more flowers than it ever turns into pods so there's plenty of time for these crops to rally around and recover but it is very off-putting to walk into a field of 100 centimeter high oilseed rape and see it drooped almost over double from the effect of this frost. Mind you the pollen beetle do seem to have run for cover and aren't there in the quantities that we saw last week so the frosts have done some good. Also due to the frosts and the winds we've been pretty much unable to get any sprays on but again every cloud because that cold frosty weather will be holding back disease and growth alike like light leaf spot in oilseed rape for example it won't be getting any worse out there but that filicron the accumulated day degrees that works both ways if it's warm we get quick leaf emergence if it turns cold like it has done this week we get fewer day degrees and that means the leaf emergence slows so things will wait for us in cereals the residue of a couple of 24 degree days last week and then 21 22 degrees on sunday have really moved the ear within the wheat plants but it's not a rapid leaf three emergence this year so don't panic but cutting open these wheats look at the growth stage they need watching because the t1 and the leaf three timing may well be slightly closer than you think out there particularly in those early drillings. Um, winter barley showing barley yellow dwarf virus, particularly where volunteer barley is present within the canopy, that green bridge effect, if it wasn't dealt with pre-drilling particularly, or where barley yellow dwarf virus threshold, aphid threshold, were reached last autumn, but where travelling conditions prevented application. There's a bit of that about. Um, there's a bit of rinko, a bit of net blotch, as well as some eye spot out there showing in the winter barley. So don't forget about that. And also don't forget about manganese, magnesium, zinc etc and those issues if they're presenting themselves in the field winter wheat rust nicely under control now i think where t0 tebuconazole type products have gone on over the last 14 days or so high levels of stem based browning out here in the field though whether that's fusarium or um, eye spot i don't know i would need a test to do that but i can see there's a lot of browning quite a lot of septoria in most fields and in most varieties as well very few varieties remember have good tolerance to eye spot out there so make sure that you cover that particular little problem when it comes to your t1 and septoria will be spreading about like kids with nits out there in these fields it doesn't need rain splash to do it if you've got damp dewy conditions with a high inoculum in the base of the plant windy days that's when you're going to see that septoria start to move within the base of the canopy and also give a bit of thought to the growth regulator program that you're going to put in and formulate a reliable and sensible plan out there that's going to regulate plant growth rather than slaughter the canopy tweaking may well be in order this year spring barley spring wheat spring oats where manganese magnesium is showing get that treated sooner rather than later as this crop begins to grow away haven't seen any winged aphids anywhere on traps or otherwise um, so the barley yellow dwarf virus threat would appear to be very low at present peas and beans having a bit of a rest this week from the pea and bean weevil in these colder conditions but the downy mildew appearing in some of the winter beans um, 
Um, but nutrition's probably a more cost-effective tool to deal with that at the moment than fungicides in these conditions. And the poor old sugar beet that was pricking through the ground on Monday has had a horrible run of hard frost on it. So hopefully it'll be okay. One thing is for absolute sure, and that is that spraying any herbicides in these frosty conditions conditions on emerging sugar beet you know that really will not have been a very good idea if you've done it so um, squint when you walk into those fields so an awful lot of nitrogen now going on at the moment out there in the field most of the nitrogen on a, a cereal crop and all seed rate wants to be more or less finished now as it gets high enough for it to complicate the spreading pattern but on cereals you know most of the nitrogen wants to be on by the end of April and with it being so dry if it's ammonium nitrogen you're putting on it's not going to go anywhere so there's a few farmers out there taking the opportunity to bang that onto the field so we could do with a drop of rain then let's see whether the next seven days or so bring both a little bit of spring and a drop of the wet stuff what i would say is on thursday afternoon i did see a swallow out at auburn so things aren't quite as bad as they were in the world a week ago and they're better for having the swallows home thanks as ever sean sean sparling sparling agronomy services Lameness in dairy cattle may be more of a problem than we think, with reduction in yield, poor fertility, cull values and the cost of treatment. But how do we know and what can be done about it? Dairy farmer Russell Morgan was so concerned about lameness in his herd of 170 high-yielding Holsteins and the cost to his business that together with vet Sarah Peterson and the Farming Connect project, he decided he needed to do something about it. Russell and Sarah join us online. Good morning, Russell. First, what kind of percentage lameness are we talking about here? I think we started in January, we had a 38% lameness or mobility rate within the herd. That rose to about 48% then with the impact of heat stress and stuff in the summer. And this was costing your business a substantial amount of money. Sarah calculated around £50,000 a year. What was your reaction to that? I didn't believe it. Sarah told me something like that last January when we started December, when we looked at the project. And you don't believe it. No, there's no way it's going to be costing me £50,000 a year, lameness. But the position we're at at the moment... I think that's probably a conservative figure when you just take into account just purely just milk sales lost. The cow that can't walk, because we're a robotically milked herd, we are relying on the cows visiting the robots themselves. Our average is just over three times a day, but some of those cows that are lame might only be visiting two times a day. Sarah, what is the prognosis for a lame animal? The saying is the earlier we treat them, the better. Because what we now know is that once a cow has gone lame, it's likely to go lame again and again. But if we intervene really early, then we can halt some of that process that's happening. And this is what we found at Russell's. So one of the first things that we did was actually instigate um, early detection and early treatment. So following all of the science, all of the evidence that we have out there in terms of scoring these cows fortnightly, and keenly, that's the thing as well. We are scoring really, really sensitively to make sure that we pick up these cows as soon as they start showing signs of lameness. When you say scoring, what do you mean exactly? So basically, when we're scoring them, we are assessing um, stride length. We're looking to see whether we've got any obvious limp there. But actually, by the time we've got an obvious limp, we're, we're quite far down the path of lameness because cows don't want to show signs of pain. So once they are showing signs of pain, they've actually been sore there for a little while. Russell's partner, Sarah, we got her trained up in um, the AHDB mobility scoring system. Ever since last March, every fortnight, the cows are scored 
So they are pushed back one side of the shed because obviously they're not coming out of a conventional milking parlour. So we can't do them how we would normally do them. And then as they come through over the passageway, she's assessing and really scrutinising each cow individually and trying to see whether there are any signs of lameness. So that might be a slight head nod. It might be just a slight, very slight reluctance to put weight fully through the leg. And one of the other things that we're looking for as well is the, the backs of the feet and specifically those dew claws. How far are they moving down to the ground? And if we've got any changes there, it can actually indicate we've got the first signs of bruising. So we're scrutinising each cow and we're leaving nothing to benefit of the doubt. And clearly you need to pick up the signs early. All the research shows that even a delay of treatment of four weeks can actually massively reduce the chances of a cow recovering. And this is what we've seen by this early detection. And we're, we're doing normal lameness detection every day on a farm. And, and Russell's doing that every day as part of his normal management processes. But sometimes these really subtly lame cows aren't obvious as you're just walking around the shed. We actually need to watch them walking and scrutinise them. So that's what we've been doing. And then we've been working with the foot trimmer that all the new cases are picked up and they're treated again according to best practice, which is if we find any lesion, whether that be a sole bruise or the start of a white line, we are putting a block on and we're giving them pain relief. Let's get back to basics for a moment. What can cause lameness in cattle? The biggest cause was actually digital dermatitis. Um, which is an infectious cause. And that's relatively actually easy to get on top of. We put all of the cows through the crush. We treated everything at the same time, dampened down that infection pressure and then got on top of it by, by foot bathing. And historically, we'd had a sole ulcer problem. But actually now we've, we've barely had them in the last sort of six to 12 months because we're intervening early. Sole bruising comes comes out because of standing up too much, essentially. So that's why heat stress, the cows get hot like we do when we lie on a beach. They need to stand up to cool down. And um, also the mattresses weren't comfortable enough on the farm. And, and when we talk about that high of 49%, that was a culmination of so many different factors that just all came together. And just we just saw that big increase just when we didn't want to be seeing it. Russell, so what did you do to prevent that lameness percentage going back up? I think probably the biggest single thing will be the um, early detection mobility scoring. So we're doing that fortnightly. We're trimming feet then within a couple of days of that scoring. We've got a foot trimmer coming onto the farm and the herdsman is doing cows and modelling out the feet. So trimming the feet to take the pressure off those points where the sole bruising is occurring. And then obviously that develops then into sole ulcers, which is our biggest problem but also encouraging lion times, like we said, mattresses, so the cow's lying down more, making sure there's rubber matting around the robots where there's a lot of pressure on the cow's feet. The cows are waiting for the robot. They come out of the robot. They immediately go to drink at a water trough. They generally hang around that area of the shed. So we put matting down there. That's basically the two biggest points, I think. What would your recommendation be to other dairy farmers finding themselves in a similar position? Sarah? So we have um, a network of AHDB mobility mentors who are all trained up to um, deliver the Healthy Feet programme, which is what we've delivered at Russell's. So what I would say is speak to their own vet, ask if they've got a mobility mentor in the practice. If they haven't, ask why not. And um, then try and work with them to put, implement these changes, because one of the key things is you said, you know, where do you start? It is completely overwhelming. Lameness is a problem on large majority of our farms um average levels of lameness are just over 30 percent in the uk 
So we need to do something about that. Um, but make, as with everything, taking that first step is the hardest. And Russell, this has led to an improvement in your milk contract. Yes, it has. Yeah, we've had a significant improvement on our milk contract over the past 12 months. It's put us into a, into a good position. And hopefully, as Sarah said, we're over the worst of the problem now. We can carry on improving and it'll be it'll get us up to the well, the target over the three years of the project is to get below 10 percent mobility in the herd. Well, let's hope you get there. It's great to hear an inspirational and successful story. Russell Morgan and Sarah Peterson, thanks so much for coming on the programme this morning. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Steve. If you want to make contact with Sarah or Russell, you'll find them on Twitter at Sarah Peterson, that's S-A-R-A-P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N, number three, at Sarah Peterson three, and at Morgan Go Farm. OK, let's go to the market now with this week's update. Here's Openfield's Jerome Fielder. Morning, Jerome. Good morning. Most of my conversations with growers this week have ended with one request – for some warm rain. This is of course needed to get spring crops growing and to wash fertiliser into the soil. Well I'm sorry I can't promise rain but I do have some positive news. It's been a turnaround week on wheat markets after weeks of prices slipping on old crop in particular. We've finally seen some support so what are the reasons? Well, the US has now exceeded its exports on corn according to the USDA number, with five months of the season still to run. So this will need to be factored into the USDA report, which traders will be digesting over this weekend and in the coming days. What is clear is that China are still hungry for corn. Corn is the most commonly used global feed grain, leading to the saying, corn is king. This implies that if corn prices move, other commodities tend to follow, such as UK feed wheat. Some are questioning how this demand can continue. But a colleague of mine asks, why would demand drop as we come out of lockdown? His argument being that we will all be heading out to restaurants and consumption will be up. In other news, Drought reports in the Northern Plains are also affecting farmers' planting intentions on spring wheat, with some considering planting soybeans a little later when rains come. This could be supportive to wheat values again. You may be thinking that with all this bullish news, why has the market drifted so much over the past few weeks? It's difficult to say and it's left me scratching my head at times, but with old crops circa £40 above new crop, This is one argument for values to ease back, and another being the firmer sterling. More globally, the bearish arguments include high freight rates and contract cancellations or rolls to new crop, some of which have some merit, but as yet are unproven. Looking more domestically, milling premiums have been hit as demand for Group 1s has come under pressure as we compete with imports. If you have some left, do get in touch with your local open field farm business manager. On to barley markets, they are very quiet at the moment, with the end consumer being quiet and with export bids not competitive. The weaker currency towards the end of this week should help values though. Malting barley values on new crop are looking attractive though. 
This time last year, it was £135 X farm for November, whereas this year, it's £165 X for November. All I believe to do with the fact we hope pubs will be open in the summer and going into the autumn. Looking at bean markets, beans have been hard to come by as consumer demand drops and prices are drifting. Now to look at your ex-farm values. April feed wheat is 190 to £194 pounds ex-farm. Harvest values are 158 to £162 pounds for feed wheat with a £4 carry to November. Milling premiums are circa £10 to £15 pounds on old crop. Feed barley is £150 to £155 for April and for harvest is £130 to £135. For any prices or other information, please contact your local Openfield farm business manager. Thank you. Many thanks, Jerome Fielder from Openfield. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, a right spring mishmash this week, but with some welcome rain, which starts today. A light northerly keeping temperatures in single figures for Sunday, dropping to below freezing in places overnight. Monday brings variable winds, nudging the low teens MPH with rain and highs of just 7 Celsius, dropping to around 3 overnight into a calmer, rainy Tuesday. And as the pressure increases, highs just getting into double figures. Drier for the second half of the week, but showers still possible. Mostly easterly winds getting brisker by Thursday with daytime highs of 10 or 11 Celsius. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Steve Orchard and rather looking forward to getting back out on farm next week and talking lambing and the farmland bird count. Until then, have a safe, positive and productive farming week.